Hey, I'm Kobe Warner. This is Cope Lizzie, and today we're talking about Taylor Swift. But before we do that, we're going to get into some hot topics. First, we're going to talk about Sydney Sweeney. I'm sure many of you have seen, honestly, there was a lot of euphoria controversy in like the past week, but Sydney Sweeney posted an Instagram post that I have screenshotted. It was from her mother's 60th birthday party. And for background, Sydney Sweeney was born in Spokane. She left Spokane and moved to Los Angeles when she was 14. So on Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, she grew up in Spokane, Washington. And she has white family. So I know that's not the South, but that's some fucking where. Washington, that's way out there in the West. But it's like, you know, bumfuck places with white people. They're conservative. And so in these Instagram posts, that she posted um somebody's wearing a blue lives matter shirt which is the most problematic thing about all of this kind of looks like her dad i assume this to be her father i could be wrong but then there's also hats at the party maybe i can like try to show these pictures i don't know how this is gonna work if you're watching the video this is a family photo and the father right here is wearing a blue lives matter shirt and then this is not as problematic because it's still a parody, but I do have a comment on this, and that's why I'm going to show it too. This is a post that I screenshotted off of Sydney Sweeney's brother's Instagram. These people are wearing hats that are a parody of Make America Great Again hats, but they say Make 60 Great Again. You wouldn't wear that if you weren't a Trump supporter. You know what I mean? Like, personally, I like don't like Donald Trump. You know what I mean? And I would never be caught dead in one of those hats if I didn't like Donald Trump. But that's not the point of all of this, really. The point of all of this is Sydney Sweeney is a person, a white person with white family. And in your white family, immediate or extended, you are likely to have conservative family members. Um, personally, I am biracial. My dad is black and my mom is white. And so half of my extended family is white, including lots of conservative people and th there are actually a lot of people that i don't really um communicate with or talk to for for various reasons because of my identity i am black i am queer and that makes things more complicated for me with my conservative family members but sydney sweeney is neither of those things she's white and i don't know if she's straight but you know she's not non-binary so she's a cisgender woman and she's not likely to excommunicate from her Republican family. You know what I mean? Like, especially if they're her parents, she's not going to excommunicate these people. But maybe what I wouldn't do is give their controversial political opinions a platform. Like, I understand if you love these people in your personal life and you are able to look past that personally. But th in this day and age, for the sake of your career, I would think that you would think twice before posting something of that nature. That's just me. But I know you can't help other people's beliefs, and I would like to think that Sydney Sweeney's not a closet conservative, but you never know nowadays. So I'm editing this, and I realized that I didn't read Sydney's stupid-ass tweet. This is what she said in response to the backlash she received on that Instagram post. The tweet reads, you guys, this is wild. An innocent celebration for my mom's milestone 60th birthday has turned into an, an absurd political statement, which was not the intention. Please stop making assumptions. Much love to everyone. And happy birthday, mom. That's stupid. It's not just about politics anymore. Conservative politics are attacking the identities of so many people. And for Sydney to say that 
an innocent celebration for my mom's milestone 16th birthday has been inter- has turned into a, a, an absurd political statement. You posted it, Sydney. You should have expected people to react. Whether or not you expected support, I don't know why you would, but you could have expected support. But you could also have expected a negative reaction. You had to have in your mind noticed that this man was wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt. You had to have seen that. You had to have. Maybe she could have said something like, I can't apologize for beliefs of other people in my family, but I can make a statement publicly telling you that they are not my beliefs. And while I love these people and they are my family, we don't align politically. And I'm sorry that I gave their oppressive political beliefs a platform on my Instagram. That's what I would have said. That's that. But that was not the only euphoria controversy in the past week. Barbie Ferreira did leave the show. There's been a lot of controversy about that. And that's not really what I was going to cover because all the tea about that was kind of last year. But it was announced recently that she was going to leave the show. But right now, I would like to speak about Hunter Schaefer, who is another person who acts on Euphoria, a trans woman who I love very much. Um, I've always loved her ever since the show came out. Ever since I was aware of Hunter Schaefer, I've been a fan of Hunter Schaefer. And so it's disappointing to know that there is a post posted by um, a creator that, I mean, I don't really know if I should credit them, but I can. It's Piggy Taiwan, P-I-G-G-Y-T-A-I-W-A-N on Instagram is where they posted this post. And I think for the sake of their message, I will read you the whole thing so that you can understand the best you can everything that they're trying to say with all of the context that they provided. So I'm not going to abbreviate this. I'm going to read the whole thing, but I will try to do it swiftly. I hope all of the people, NBs, which means non-binary people, who fought to have trans identities no longer considered a medical condition that requires dysphoria are happy because you've won. The red states are beginning to agree with you. HRT and gender-affirming surgery are no longer deemed medically necessary for adults in Florida, and it's not going to stop there. That means more trans people will have to pay for their transitions out of pocket, forcing more of us into sex work. Y'all just couldn't stand to let binary trans people be the voice of this community. You had to dismantle all of the guidelines around being trans to fit your narrative so you could feel valid and then demonize trans people who challenged your ideals and call them truscum or trans medicalists. What you don't understand is that binary trans women and men don't have the luxury of playing around with what it means to be trans the same way that you do. You challenge gender ideologies from the safety of a cis body that requires no medical treatment. We have to play the game and live by the guidelines that cis people have created for us because that is how we survive. You are not helping. You're not dismantling the gender binary. You're not expanding the minds of cis people. You are making them hate us. For the last time, I am begging non-binary people to take a seat and let binary trans people, and more specifically, black trans women, be the voices of this community, because they are the ones at risk. So this person posted that post, um, and Hunter Schaefer commented on the post with exclamation points, just voicing her support for it. I identify as non-binary, and I love Hunter Schaefer, and... A lot of what was said in that post is true. Uh, Republican lawmakers are attacking trans people and trans uh, health care, trans affirming health care. Trans people are being attacked right now and kind of are at the center of this like uh, political hate scheme. I don't want to bash anybody 
in response to this because I understand uh, trans people's frustration. What is interesting about this situation is that non-binary um, falls under the trans umbrella because what transgender means is that you identify with a gender other than the sex you were assigned at birth. And so non-binary falls within the constraints of that definition because I do not identify with the sex that I was assigned at birth. And so being a non-binary person is being a trans person, but it's not the same experience as a trans man or a trans woman who are trying to assimilate to a cisgender experience in order to survive. They're not trying to challenge the gender binary. Um, so it's a different experience. And I, under, I, can, I can understand the frustration of trans people, but I do think that attacking non-binary people is misguided. Um, I think that everybody has the right to be exactly who they want to be. But I don't necessarily think they're attacking non-binary identities so much as they're attacking non-binary people wanting to be the forefront of the transgender movement, at which I can understand. Because maybe I have an advanced knowledge, or at least a decent knowledge, of queer terms and definitions and how non-binary experiences actually fall under the trans umbrella. But many of you listening, that might be the first time you've ever heard that. You know, that's news to you. And so I can understand that lots of people don't understand the complexities of a queer experience, more specifically a trans experience, more specifically a non-binary experience. When you cloud the movement with a bunch of knowledge, it does make it harder for a simpler um, or less connected or mind that's coming from further away, traveling more of a distance. I can understand how that makes it more complicated for them to understand. And so I understand why trans people are frustrated. However, I don't think we're the problem. I think hate is the problem, but they're right. Black trans women are dying at a disproportionate rate. And those rates are staggering as it is, but they are growing every year. And so it's sad. It's a sad issue. Um, and I'm not canceling Hunter Schaefer because of this. I understand that trans people are upset. But I do think that this opinion is a little, um, I, I think the anger is a little misguided. That's all I'll say. Um, but I love my trans brothers and sisters. I love my trans non-binary people. Uh, I love the queer community. Um, and I want to support all of us. So that is what I will comment on that situation. Um, so yeah, lots going on with Euphoria this week. But we can talk about Taylor Swift now, and I'm very excited to do it. Because at the VMAs, Taylor Swift won Video of the Year for the all-too-well 10-minute short film. And in her acceptance speech, she announced that she's releasing a brand new album, that not a re-record, a brand new album on October 21st, Kim Kardashian's birthday. <laughs> and the album is called Midnight's. And will feature 13 tracks, all stories. Can you see I'm looking down at my notes? <laughs> all stories of sleepless nights, seemingly all titled their number in the track list, like track one, track two, track three, track four, and so on. All the way to track 13, because you know 13 is her number. Um, when she used to write 13 on her hand, I would write 12 on my hand years ago when I was a kid, um, because 12 was my favorite number. So I would always have 12 and Sharpie on my hand. Um, because I've been a Taylor Swift fan for many years, and that's what I'm going to talk about in this episode. Um, but anyway, back to Midnight's. Taylor writes on Instagram. This is just an abbreviated quote, so if you want to read the full post, go to her Instagram. But anyway, she says, quote, This is a collection of music written in the middle of the night. 
For all of us that have tossed and turned, hoping that maybe when the clock strikes 12, we'll meet ourselves. And I am so excited. You know I love a Taylor Swift album. Um, I've been a Taylor Swift fan for a long time. I really love her commitment to the concept right off the bat. Um, I think she's always been great at that. I think that's how she's been able to transform so many times is because she commits to the concept. And so I appreciate that every song fits into this theme of Midnight's. I think this is absolutely blindsiding the Swifties. Um, I think everybody's so confused because we were all expecting Speak Now, Taylor's version, or 1989 Taylor's version, and instead we're getting a brand new album. And if we were going to get a new album, everybody thought it was going to be like a third Folklore Evermore something else album. Wood, wood, wood lore. What was the fucking word? There was like a word. Woodvale. It was Woodvale. But instead, we're getting something else. So she's just, you know, always doing what she does, which is keeping everything a secret and doing whatever the fuck she wants. And I love that for her. So I am letting Taylor Swift's album announcement inform the topic of this episode. You know, I love that phrase, inform the topic of this episode. But today we're talking about Taylor Swift's discography, talking all about Taylor Swift every single one of her albums because i have been a taylor swift fan for a very long time and i'm going to explain to you my fandom journey as we go through taylor's discography each album one by one her first album taylor swift came out in 2006 i believe she was 16 years old which is crazy to me 16 1989 i think she was 16. i mm, i wasn't around for this album 2006 i was four so i don't think i knew anything about this album until after the fact but i do know it well now my favorite songs are tim mcgraw picture to burn teardrops on my guitar and our song so tim mcgraw is a song not really about tim mcgraw it's a love song but it's saying when you think tim mcgraw i hope you think our favorite song the one we dance to all night long i love that song and so it's cute and um, I've liked it actually for a really long time. And so that's one of my favorites. Picture to Burn is next. Always loved Picture to Burn. It's a classic. Teardrops on my guitar. Again, a classic. Love it. Our song, absolutely my favorite from this album. I have listened to our song a gazillion times. I burned a hole in that song on Spotify. Bitch, burned a hole in that song on my iPod in like 2012. Honey, I was eating our song up back then and now. Always have been. So Fearless was Taylor's next album. I'm going to talk about Fearless Taylor's version. Each album that has a Taylor's version I'm going to talk about. So Fearless and Red. The original Fearless came out in 2008. And that was around when I became a Taylor Swift fan. 2008, I was like six. And so I think probably like 2009, maybe like 2010 when Speak Now came out is when I became a fan. Um, but when I became a fan in that range, I like was standing i dove in i was watching all the music videos on the family computer i was obsessed i was watching the the fearless world tour and the speak now world tour videos on um youtube but anyway uh fearless tv of the original songs not the vault tracks from the taylor's version the original songs my favorites are the best day uh and the other side of the door i know there are classics on fearless like fearless and 15 um but in the past couple of years in recent time my favorites have been the best day and the other side of the door and white motherfucking horse bitch white horse is a banger if you don't know white horse you better get into her 
The Best Day is so sweet. It's a song about, like, you know, not really getting along with kids at school. And so she talks about having the best day with her mom because her mom takes her out and makes her feel better after kids are mean to Taylor at school. Um, reminds me when I was a kid. And my mom was a rock for me when I was a kid, and she still is. Um, so I love The Best Day. Um, and actually for Mother's Day this year, I bought my mom The Best Day uh, stationery from the Taylor Swift website. It was like a stationery that had t The Best Day lyrics on it. Of the vault tracks, I love Mr. Perfectly Fine and Don't You. Don't you. It has like a, it's like a, a, Taylor Swift loves to like make a slow song that has like a four on the floor beat in it. Like she goes, like even the all too well Taylor's version, it's a slow song, but there's a don't, 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 don't every time. I'm talking about Red and Fearless at the same time. But anyway, you get the point. We're going to move on to Speak Now. Sparks Fly was my favorite when I was a kid. I still love it. Back to December, a classic. Dear John, always been a favorite. I have a playlist on Spotify called 101, and it's like the 101's like my favorite music. Like all the music you got to know if you want to like be in my judge, you know, so I send it to people. <laughs> and Dear John is on that bitch. I love Dear John. And Never Grow Up, another song makes me cry. I think of my mom. Oh, darling, don't you ever grow up. I think it's from the perspective of the mom, actually, never grow up. Um, it's about growing up, you know. Um, it's sad. I've always had a complex about growing up. It makes me emotional. <laughs> uh, and so I love Never Grow Up, and I love Speak Now. It's a great album. And I am excited for a new Taylor Swift album, but I really kind of was hoping she was going to announce the Speak Now re-recording when I saw her say she was going to announce something on the VMAs and then she said new album and I was like what but like yay but like speak now or 1989 but anyway Red Taylor's version the original Red came out in 2012 and it was a pop country album that is infamous or actually not infamous it's actually just famous for being completely disjointed and it's sonically all over the place but it's a good time and of the original tracks, I love Red, the song, Starlight, and Begin Again. I love Begin Again so much. Um, I remember watching the music video of that one on the family computer when I was a kid. Um, I remember downloading all of these songs, Fearless and, and Speak Now and Red, all of the albums onto my iPod Touch in the early 2010s. Um, I was such a country Taylor Swift fan when I was a kid. Of the vault tracks, I love Better Man, love Better Man, and Nothing New with Phoebe Bridgers, and the All Too Well 10-minute version, of course. Uh, I also love the short film, which won video of the year. I know I've already mentioned that, but yay, that's awesome. Good for you. Taylor Swift also set the record at the VMAs uh, for the most video of the year awards for a woman or for a person. I don't know. Let me fact check. I'm on Fox News. It was the first one that came up. It's not giving me the information that I need, so it's not a surprise. I don't even remember what the fuck I, I was looking for. I've been looking for so long. So anyway, whatever. Whatever information I was trying to fact check, I forgot. So moving on. She's the first artist, period, to win three Video of the Year awards, Henny. For All Too Well, 10 Minute, Bad Blood featuring Kendrick Lamar, 2015, and You Need to Calm Down, 2019. Go Taylor. <laughs> anyway, so after Red, I told you I was a country Taylor fan. After Red... I fell off. So when 1989 came out, I actually, I bought it on my iPod. I have it on my iPod. I remember buying it on my iTunes account. 
But I have no memories of really listening to it aside from the songs that were on the radio. I don't know why that was. Uh, I think maybe I still like country music. I don't know what it was, but I was not. When Taylor Swift made the transition to a full pop album, I didn't listen to it. Um, so I fell off after Red. Fun fact about me and my Taylor Swift journey. On 1989, my favorite songs are Out of the Woods and Clean. In 2020, I was so obsessed with Out of the Woods, I couldn't see straight. And right now, I'm so obsessed with, or maybe like last year, I was so obsessed with Clean, I can't see straight. I'm kind of like writing the, like, down the slope. I'm saying I'm almost done with um, my Clean obsession. But, oh my God, is that song just sonically so amazing. I'm obsessed. Clean, love it. Now Out of the Woods, I think it's about Harry Styles. That's the rumor. And it makes me love it even more. I love them both. I don't care amazing remember when you hit the brakes too soon it's a fantastic bridge the whole song is good the course is really repetitive but if you stay for that bridge honey that bridge is the meat and that bridge gives bitch you better get into the bridge girl how could i forget about this love is good this love is bad this love is alive back from the dead oh girl that is a banger this love and there's a taylor's version single out get into this love taylor's version get into it honey so next was reputation reputation is a fantastic album that i was obsessed with later during the pandemic oh my god i burned a hole in reputation honey i'm not looking at the camera i'm sorry for the people watching the video i just got a webcam and i have been looking at the viewfinder the whole time and i just realized that's not the camera i'm so sorry i'm so sorry um anyway so i'll look at the camera from now on reputation my favorite songs are i did something bad don't blame me favorite getaway car eats new year's day sad bop but a great closer to an otherwise fantastic album great album great album through and through from front to back and the fact that people disrespect Reputation is silly because I think it's a pop masterpiece. Our next album was Lover. And Lover is actually when I became a Taylor Swift fan again. I remember when Lover came out in 2019. Oh, I didn't tell you when some of the albums came out. 1989 came out in 2014. And Reputation came out in 2017. Um, it actually broke Taylor Swift releasing an album every two years cycle because she took a year off after the whole KW, KKW drama. Anyway, Lover, 2019, loved Lover uh, when it came out. I still like Lover. It's a great album. Cruel Summer was thoroughly disrespected and deserved a music video, but is maybe my favorite song from the album. Um, the Man is great. I think it's a, a fun pop song that really hits the nail on the head about the injustices that a lot of women face in the workplace, um, especially female celebrities in comparison to male celebrities and uh soon you'll get better is a song about her mom being sick um soon you'll get better with the chicks featuring the chicks formerly known as the dixie chicks um soon you'll get better love the song and false god oh my god it's so good it is so good i love false god listen to false god off of lover if you don't listen to anything from lover because that actually might be my favorite song cruel summer is definitely a close second though the summer of 22 happened and she put out Folklore in August of 2022. Er, what the fuck am I talking about? 2020. <laughs> Folklore came out in August 2020. Uh, I remember the day Folklore came out. I had to wake up at like 4 o'clock in the morning to go work at Target. And so uh, I woke up 
I didn't stay up till midnight to listen to it. I woke up in the morning at four o'clock and I was doing yoga before work and I was listening to folklore for the first time. And I just remember that experience. I'll never forget it. And I really do love folklore. It's a great song. And my, it's a great song. It's a great album. Silly me. My favorite songs from folklore are Cardigan, Mirrorball, and August. Close runner-ups are Betty and This Is Me Trying, Illicit Affairs. It's a great album. The One is good. Um, my mom's favorite is The Last Great American Dynasty. <laughs> and The End of Exile is Gorgina. I like Exile, too. And then after that, December 2020, Taylor put out Folklore's sister album, Evermore. From Evermore, I love Tolerate It. It's a song that's in 5-4, if you know music talk, music jargon. Uh, it's in 5-4, the time signature, Tolerate It. It's a really cool song um, that's also depressing as fuck. Nobody, No Crime featuring Haim is fierce. It's about murdering a man. Nobody, No Crime eats. <laughs> it's like, write a song about killing somebody. That's cool. Love it. Uh, Dorothea is a really great song too hey dorothea don't just know to think about me i like dorothea uh and cowboy like me i like evermore it's a really great album a lot of people like try to compare folklore and evermore i'm not doing that i like them both okay and that's taylor swift's gazillion album she has so many I, again i was shocked that she announced a new album and not a re-record but like okay i'll take it uh, i'm excited for her midnight's release on kim kardashian's birthday october 21st i will be pre-ordering a physical copy when she re announces that there are signed ones available and yeah i'll be tuning in on spotify october 21st at midnight to get into midnight by taylor swift thank you so much for listening to me break down my taylor swift favorite songs from each album discography situation and kind of my taylor swift journey yeah i've always loved taylor swift she was my top artist of 2021 on spotify because that was the first year i actually had spotify and she probably would have been it a couple of years before that too <laughs> i was in the top one percent of listeners so taylor swift fan right here this year it's fully going to be beyonce i'm going to be in the top one percent of beyonce's um listeners on spotify at least that's my prediction because let's get on last fm let's talk about some of my music statistics so how about i pay four dollars a month <laughs> to get uh, uh, like advanced music tracking statistics on last FM. My friend Natalie's boyfriend showed me this. And this year so far, 2022, from 2022 until August 30th, um, January 1st to August 30th, I have listened to Beyonce eight, oh Jesus Christ, 911 times. <laughs> I've listened to Renaissance 394 times. Um, in my second place for artists is Ariana Grande. So far, 636 times. Taylor Swift, 515. She's just, Taylor is in third place this year. Um, for my albums, like I said, Renaissance, 394 listens. Harry's House, 225 listens. And Dawn by Yeba, 195 listens. Still obsessed with Yeba, always will be. Um, my top track of 2022 However, is Yuck by Charlie XCX with 71 listens. That's crazy. As it was, it's number two, 57 listens. And Fair by Normani is number three, 55 listens. So that's the top three of my artists, albums, and tracks so far this year. Along with my breakdown of all my favorite songs from Taylor Swift's discography thus far. I love Taylor Swift. I think she is a great songwriter. I think 
she has a really interesting tone that nobody can replicate. So while she's not a very physical singer, I think she really does have a beautiful voice. And I think she has great vocal moments. Um, that one video of her singing on, um, like, I don't know, like her self-recorded in the studio when she's making reputation there's a video of her singing don't blame me where she's like recording like the uh the background like higher belty part for the last chorus uh and it was great it was so good and it was just her singing it was just a live video of her singing into a mic but we couldn't hear the mic feed it was in headphones so it was just like a raw vocal and she sounded great she's a good singer and i think people should stop acting like she's like a horrible singer i'm like she's not mariah carey but she's not supposed to be that's not what she does. And I love Taylor Swift. I love Mariah Carey, too. And maybe I'll break down Mariah Carey's discography one time. Damn. But yeah, anyway, thanks for listening to this episode of Cope Lizzie, the podcast that's hosted by me, Kobe Warner. You might be watching on Spotify or YouTube. You could be listening on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Amazon Music. No matter where you are, I love you. Kisses to you. I love you. Even if I don't know you. And I hope you come back next Wednesday for a new episode. Bye-bye.